Welcome to the Crime of the Century podcast, where we expose higher education as a scam that it is. I'm Kevin Prendeville, and I believe that because of what we're teaching our students, we're losing an entire generation. Now, today, as always, we're going to be diving headfirst into controversial subjects undaunted by political correctness. Now, today will be the la- last uh, overtly Christian topic and the fact that it's lacking from today's academic discourse. Now, so many young people, college students, often feel as though they are behind the eight ball and lost before they even graduate. And they've been taught that nothing is truly good and that every structure is an attempt to suppress or oppress a certain group of people. They come in to the greatest years of their life with a perspective that is nihilistic and frankly depressing. And this is a great part of the crime of the century. So as we wrap up this series, it really, um, this podcast shouldn't be as long as some of the other ones because we've gone through some of the topics we're going to be covering today. So I'm going to expect that, you know, we have a little bit of uh, knowledge going into it. And of course, if this is your first time joining us, uh, please don't hesitate. Go back to some of the other podcasts. We started this series uh, around 47, um, and that will get you caught up to speed on some of the issues that we're talking about. But there are two ways to attack this aspect of the crime of the century, and this is another uh, social aspect um, as we move away kind of from the financial aspect, although that is certainly an important topic when it comes to uh, college education and paying for it. Now, the first thing we have to question come to an understanding of is really a, a counter to nihilistic theory and the question is is anything good and what I mean by good is 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 it just objective is is it just a thing is when we call something good is it from our own selfish perspective where we simply say oh that's a good thing because it helps ourselves and nobody else or is it truly good because objectively and sometimes even empirically it is something that is good? Well, I would argue that it is not only objective, but in many cases it is also moral that there are certain things that are good. And I'm going to use uh, kind of an older uh, theocratic uh, aspect here and it comes from a man named uh, Thomas Aquinas. Now some of you may remember the name from uh, the famous scholar. He was uh, an English scholar in the uh, 1200s roughly. Um, predominantly Catholic of course there was no other Christian denomination at that point or legitimate Christian de- denomination and he wrote there There was a a, a great he, he did a lot of work in the Welsh area in England and so he was debating what we would today coin an atheist but um, what he would what they called him that day as a, as a pagan as someone who was an unbeliever uh, or ignorant or who didn't believe in God and basically the idea and certainly the arguments of those days in medieval times this is where we get uh, scholastic theory which is essentially I am going to dump all of the facts on you that I know, all of the different 
re and, and how I got there, all of my reasoning. And you're going to be so impressed by my facts that you're going to come over to my side. And that, it's very interesting, and this is another topic for another day, but with the advent of the internet, we're almost going back to that way of debating, where we just hear all the facts and you're going to be so impressed with all of my facts and knowledge that you're going to come over to my side instead of the uh, Greek uh, ethos where we're appealing to emotion and also uh, logos where we're appealing to logic. But Thomas Aquinas was writing and he basically he came up with five points to prove that there's a God. And one of the things he talked about was the fact that there are graduations of things. I believe this is his third point, though I may be wrong. Um, the, it's not important to get into the minutia here. But it, what he means by graduations of things is that we all have some inherent sense that there is something that is good and something that is evil, or at least in the absence of something that is good. Which would mean if we're proving, and for this was for Thomas Aquinas, that if we're proving that there is such a thing as a, a God, then that thing that is God must be the supreme good. And therefore, everything is on a scale from that supreme good downward. Of course, you could also argue that it's from that upward, but that depends on if you're a pessimist or an optimist. And so that in and of itself means one of two things. One, that there is some sort of moral good because, of course, we understand that all religions, really, in this aspect, have something to do with morality. But there is an inherent, almost instinctual human morality. And so that would mean, and, and I'll use another point here, and uh, Jordan Peterson actually brings this up in a great series he does on uh, the Bible, which is really a secular, secular view on it, um, so it could help some people who don't uh, truly accept uh, the Word of God. It may help them come to a better understanding and, and kind of drop that skepticism. And one of the things he talks about, there's... Um, a philosopher, he, he wrote a book that basically the main character, uh, and this was a, a thinking piece, but it was done through a fictional work. And so the main character supposes that there's no God and therefore there's no morality, that things are just things. So he goes and he kidnaps a woman and he keeps her in, in, in his basement uh, to torture and kill her. And he goes ahead with it, he does all these horrible things, and he kills her. And he said that through that he felt such a horrible feeling inside of himself that he could not, it's like he could not clean himself of that guilt. There is such a thing as guilt. Because he had crossed a line that you weren't supposed to cross, that there's something within all of us some sort of embedded morality where we know those boundaries before we're even born. Which of course would go back to the point that there is something that is that supreme good and a departure from that causes the feeling of guilt. Now the problem is, uh, at least for now, we cannot scientifically uh, uh, 
discern, you know, what emotions are and what causes them. I mean, we have some sort of idea of cause and effect, but there's no scientific way we can describe emotion. That the, the, the two are separate, logic and emotion. And so, can we see something as objectively good? Can we see something that is scientifically and empirically good. Well, that is where the, the waters get uh, a little muddy because there is, it's very hard to, to prove that. I mean, numbers are just numbers when you're talking about mathematics. In that sense, no, there is nothing that is objectively good. And this is the footing that many of the nihilists and uh, even some Marxists stand on that well, you can't prove with beyond a shadow of a doubt that there is such a thing as good. So therefore, because God can't error, God is perfect, and there is no such thing, as, we can't prove that there is a good. That means that the Bible or religion is wrong, which means that because God can't error and that there is an error there, that means God's wrong. God doesn't exist, essentially. And... That, that is a, a lot of the argument, but to come to an understanding of, of goodness, why is it then that when people stand on something like the environmental debate, they always take the moral standing? We need to preserve the earth. We need to keep the earth the way it is. We need to make it livable for you know, generations and generations. Well, why is it then that we can stand on that footing and make a legitimate argument from that perspective. Well, that comes to the fact that there are some things that the heart wants that the head cannot understand. And that comes from and, and from many different perspectives, but uh, one of the things that, uh, that has been said um, uh, has that the human heart essentially is restless until it finds rest in God. And that doesn't mean until somebody dies, that means until somebody comes to some sort of moral understanding. And so, though logic, science, math, can't tell us that something is good, we know what is good and what isn't. And for whatever reason, consciousness itself and the quantification of consciousness has eluded us. Yet we're still taught from the perspective that things aren't good, that there is no objective good, there is nothing that is right, and that's basically in collegiate institutions thought taught through Marxist theory, which is essentially that any hierarchical structure is created to oppress somebody else, that, that power drives everything, or the lust for power. Now, I'm not going to argue that there isn't such a thing as a lust for domination and power because the entire political system 
throughout history, many of them have been constructed around that. And so, again, another half-truth here. But if there is something, as we've talked about, that is legitimately good, objectively good, morally good, that we can discern is good, then that means there can be structures created by man, blessed by God, that are good. And that's where we get to the United States of America. Because what other country do we elect officials not to lead us but to free us? And what other country do we, the people, have the right to say to the government, this is how you behave? Not the other way around. How many other times in human history has the, have the people rebelled to establish a government that is led by many different people, led by many different areas of expertise, and not to rule them, but simply to make sure that the rules of the game, that is life, are played straight? And the answer is maybe once, and that's with the signing of the Magna Carta uh, in the 1000s by the English nobles, of course, but that only works for the nobility. You know, the nobility gained a lot of power. There was a parliament uh, established, but that wasn't for everybody. The United States is a unique country. It's a unique experiment that truly creates something that is good. Yet that's not what we're taught. We're taught that the U.S. is created to oppress people. It oppresses uh, black people. It oppresses women. It oppresses uh, minorities. And the reason is because the people teaching that don't believe that there is good. Of course, many times when they're preaching Marxist theory, they actually believe that that is good in of itself. But as we talked about in our truth episode, there are many contradictions when taking a relativist point of view. And we get to our last point before we wrap this entire series up, and that is that theocratic wisdom, enlightenment, philosophical brilliance has all been replaced by cynicism. That we believe that cynicism is wisdom. What does that mean? That means when somebody looks at, uh, there was a famous uh, study, that, uh, uh, report done about how uh, business is inherently evil because they, it, I'm not kidding here. They took an episode of The Simpsons of where uh, the one where uh, Grandpa Simpson uh, makes an aphrodisiac in his bathtub, and it, all, you know all the kids and uh, it makes this big business. But then him and Homer have this father-son issue, and so they took that and they extrapolated from that that business is evil, and 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 uh, you know Grandpa Simpson wouldn't have had the struggles with Homer if you know he had he had uh, abandoned his business and just been, you know, some sort of farmer or whatever what was objectively good. That cynicism, that was only considered wisdom because of the cynicism, the cynical outlook that that report had, which is essentially that uh, business is terrible, the U.S. is built on, and capitalism uh, more so, was built on uh, you know, was e business is evil, capitalism is built on business, therefore capitalism is evil, and we need to destroy the system. That's not 
wisdom and brilliance. That's probably, in, in all likelihood, smoking enough marijuana to watch a Simpsons episode and believe that that is saying something about capitalism. It's a cartoon, all right? And, and, and that's, that's where you get all this, this crappy modern art that people sit and stare at and they say, it's really talking about the oppression of women in the 1960s uh, Manhattan. It looks like somebody threw a bucket of paint on a canvas because that's exactly what they did. But of course, this cynicism and this, this ability to extrapolate that the artist is always saying something negative. And in many cases, it's, it's affected our culture entirely. And you look at something, and we talked about it, I believe this was 35, but we talked about the American Renaissance, but we talked a little bit about the European Renaissance of the 1300s. Have you ever looked at Michelangelo's work on the Sistine Chapel? There's no, no one stares at that and says, you know what, I bet that's talking about the oppression of blacks in the 1890s. No, it's talking about all the great things that humanity has done, all the great works, the opulence that, that we can construct and our, our desire to meet with God again. And that's, it's beautiful, it's wonderful. It's why it's one of the, the preserved works because we can look at that and say, I can't believe a human being painted all of this. I can't believe that someone like me can do something like that. It's inspiring. The, the Mona Lisa, it's, it's, aside from its questions about who, who it's painting, it's still a, a, a pretty woman in her day who's captured forever by one of the best artists that known to man. And it's inspiring. You look at it and you say, wow, you know, a human being made this. It's like when we look at nature and we, we, we're in awe of how great the Niagara Falls are and that you know, what power, what force could create that? It's inspiring in some cases. And so that proves a couple things. One, that there is such a thing, such goodness in the world that we can actually look at something that's so powerful and be inspired, which also then means that art and culture and the social aspect of what we're talking about is not to be trifled with. It's, it's, not, it's not something for a bunch of people who, uh, you know, don't really have jobs so they just debate philosophy all day. It's not just for them. And, and really, the idea that, and this is taught the entire course is on it, I'm sure, it means that if things can be good, then humanity can create good things, which means that the United States is not only morally good and a good creation, but that it's inspiring to people. And this is proved by the amount of people who want to get in on this country, legally, illegally, whatever. There, we still have a very high immigration rate. And the fact that we're teaching ourselves that all of the inspiration that can come from belief in something good is, is, is corny and, and it's wrong and nationalism is you know corny and for idiots and you know ignoramuses and we should only believe that everything sucks and this country sucks and we need to tear it apart and, and, and life is just about death. Why would you, why would you want to believe that? Why not smile? 
Why not? Why not believe in something? Why not? Why not hold your country to, uh, to such a high esteem because that's the bar that it's set, and know that it it it's reaching that every single day, just based off the principles that were founded and started here. Why don't we teach that? Well, because frankly, maybe people don't want to hear it. It doesn't sell. I'm not sure. I don't have an answer for that. That is something I'm working on. But when it is taught, and I will admit, and I didn't give uh, my college, Thomas More, enough, enough credit for this, I did learn there the philosophical backing behind the United States, that it wasn't just random that our founding fathers believed what they believed. And that's more powerful than any cynic that I've ever met. Positive thoughts, good people, friendly people, always outweigh negative people. Now, I shouldn't have to explain that one to you. Just try smiling, walking down the street, not with a weird smile, just half-cock smile, you know. Light up your eyes. People will smile back. People like to be, you know, people like to be tantalized with somebody else who, who looks friendly. Who wouldn't? And so, who wouldn't want to know about how great the United States is? And the fact that we're taking this away from People who have the, with the technology today, the world is their oyster. This is a great country to, to, to live in and to be able to do what you want, of course, was inside the law. And we're raising an entire generation of cynics and we're losing them because it's, it's why you see the rise of, uh, especially in California, uh, the Eastern religions, uh, Buddhism, and people who take yoga way too seriously. I'm not. I don't. I don't. Look, yoga is relaxing. It stretches your mus muscles. All that. I'm not saying yoga is evil, but there are some people who take it, and it's like a freaking religion. And what are you supposed to do with that? I mean, yeah, sure, I can stretch my muscles, but that doesn't get me any closer to God. In fact, it may take me away if I stretch the wrong muscles. And it's because it comes from this cynicism that, that has really wormed its way into society and has, has made it, it's, it's made it just dreadful to, to even want to, to, to learn about uh, the great legacy of this country and the great legacy of our forefathers. But of course we can turn it around. And how is that? By believing in something that's good by knowing the great history of this country and simply being daring enough to question what we're taught. So that wraps up this series um, on a little bit of the Christian element and uh, aspect to what is missing and part of the crime of the century. And of course, uh, we'll be diving a little bit more into the financial aspect before we come back out onto some more uh, political topics that have things to do with the crime of the century. Hey guys, I just got the proof copy of my new book, Smoke and Mirrors, which is live on Amazon right now. And that's about the financial situation in this country. And that's the reason for the title, Smoke and Mirrors. It goes over the Federal Reserve, goes over the banks, goes over the government and financial institutions and their infiltration of our wallets and our finances. 
goes over the mindset needed to break free from a lot of the conditioning and bad habits that have perpetuated in our society. Go ahead and pick it up right now, only $9.99. And let me tell you what, if you order from my site, I'm also gonna give you a half hour free webinar going over some of the topics on mindset and some of the strategies to make those dreams a reality.